Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hepka, and I am the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach and a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the Vice President of Marketing and Communications. And we also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. And for this episode, we are so excited to be interviewing Michael Brenner. Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm thrilled. Oh, I'm thrilled you're here. And I'm especially thrilled because we're going to be chatting about a topic that I don't think we have talked about in the history of our podcast. I think this is a new one for absolutely all of us. But before we get into our conversation for today, I would love it if you would take a few moments and tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So I'm the founder and CEO of a, uh, a firm called Right Cord Leadership. We're a leadership and team development uh, organization located outside of Philadelphia. Um, I work with leaders, supervisors, managers, teams, organizations of all sizes and stripes uh, to really improve relationships, um, enhance productivity, collaboration. I help people with um, interpersonal commun- communication skills. I talk a lot about emotional intelligence, uh, conflict management, um, really how to create uh, harmonious, high-performance organizations and teams. I love that. And I've been doing that for a long time, almost uh, tw- 23 oh, years. Oh, my goodness. So around the... The, the turn of the millennium is when I pivoted into this line of work. It's an incredible line of work to be in. I mean, I, it's it's a reason why, you know, a lot of us find ourselves in this field and in, in this profession. So we're excited to learn from you today because we're talking about using music to enhance training. Music is something that I think all of us probably sit up a little bit when we hear that because most of us have you know, a pretty good connection to music. We've got favorite songs. There are songs that we think of that really kind of transport us back to a great moment or a particular memory. And I think before we get into the the training connection to music, I'd love to hear a little bit from you about why music works. What is it about music that really kind of draws us in? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been playing music since I was, you know, since I was a kid. Um, I was introduced to music at a very young age, uh, mostly classical repertoire, Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, Tchaikovsky by my paternal grandfather, who was uh, very much into classical music. Um, but then and then I, I learned clarinet. That was my first instrument. And I got pretty good at clarinet. I I was uh playing conventional, you know, middle school and high school uh, band and orchestra repertoire until I was introduced to jazz. Um, I guess I was in the seventh grade. And that was way outside of my paradigm as far as music that I'd been exposed to. And that that just changed everything for me. So, I mean, to get back to your question, Stephanie, what is it about music? I mean, it it's a cliche, but it truly is the universal language. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can go to any continent, any place on earth, the folks there will be playing music. Uh, I don't necessarily have to know their verbal language. We can all mm. um, connect over 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 music, uh, and and music just um, you, you know just connects to the soul. I think it connects beyond just a purely intellectual level. 
and taps into something that is just very, very profound and rich, you know, about the human experience. And so for me, like music, I say, all, I say all my heroes are musicians. I've said that for a long time. Aww. They're not athletes, not actors, <laughs> not, not, cele not celebrities, <laughs> like musicians, you know, and I, and I really, I'm not only their musical output, but the way a lot of them approach life, which we can probably get into in this oh, podcast. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, now, I'm used to, so music, right? In the training industry, I'm used to, or speak, you know, do it, giving a speech. I'm used to, you know, using training to pump people up or, or set the emotion that you want before you get started in the training. Sure. But it sounds like there's so much more that we could be using it for. Can you go into other ways we can use this? Yeah. So... I had reached a pivotal point in my career in 2014, 2015, where I felt like I, I really need to, needed to home in on a brand, on, a, on an identity for the work that I was doing, not just Mike Brenner, consultant. Mm. Uh, and I, I, I had a, a mentor, still a friend of mine, uh, ask me, well, what makes you different from all the other leadership consultants out there in the market? And my initial answer to him was, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, to which he responded, not really a good answer, Mike. <laughs> right? I, I, I really want you to, you know, I really want you to drill down on what is it that makes you unique? Uh, and I, I, I started to talk about my love and my passion for, for, for music, particularly, you know, jazz music. Uh, and I, I suppose as I was talking, I, I was being very enthusiastic mm. and passionate about it. And he stopped me. True story. Uh, he stopped me and said, you can't see your face right now, but. I think you landed on the answer to your question. If you found a way to marry your background and expertise and your academic background, you know, in leadership development, human resource development and training and marry that with your obvious love and passion and experience as a musician, I think you'll have something really special. And so that's that's what I did. So beyond, you know, just kind of playing music at breaks and as people are walking in. I really, I, I try to craft a brand that has music right at the heart of it. And so I called it right chord leadership from the saying to strike the right chord yeah. in a non-musical context to strike the right chord means to connect, you know, at a, at a very profound level, you, you, you connected with somebody um, in, in an organizational context, but of course strike the right chord in a musical context means that as a performer, you were able to reach your audience and and move them in 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 some in some impactful way. So I started to see the similarities and commonalities between the world of organizations and the world of music. And then I just kind of I just went for it. So at that point, what are some maybe techniques or, or takeaways that instructional designers or trainers can use today for incorporating music? <laughs> Like short of building their entire brand around it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> like I've got a training yeah. on Monday. How can I better use music? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the low hanging fruit, uh, obviously, um, Chris is, is, is music really sets the, the, the tone. Uh, it creates a mood. Mm -hmm. And I'm always thinking about when people are coming into the session. What is the vibe, you know, that I want to set in the room? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to set in the room uh, a feeling of, of, of optimism, of openness, of curiosity, 
Uh, so I'm not going to play like Mozart's Requiem. You know, that's just like, it's too sad. It's too morose. <laughs> so I'll try to find music, uh, sometimes vocal music, sometimes non-vocal music that I think sets the, sets the tone. Um, because we respond intuitively and instinctively to, to music. If you ever walk into a store at the mall, that's just like blasting top 40. I don't know about you, but I'm just like, Oh, you know, it's an immediate visceral response. <laughs> um, in, a, in that context, a negative visceral response, at least for me, I want to drive a positive visceral response. I don't even want to necessarily have people be conscious of the transition that's taking place within them. I want to let the music kind of do the heavy lifting. Um, same with breaks. And then I always let people, when people are leaving the session, whether it's a half day or full day, you know, I'll, I'll put on something uplifting and something um, inspirational to send people out on a positive note. So that's really the low hanging fruit. You know, other than that, um, if you're not a, if you're not a musician, it might be more challenging to, to build music into your training repertoire. Not impossible, but it does help to have, you know, kind of a basic background in, um, you know, maybe in, in theory and some familiarity with, 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 with instruments. The, for me, because I rely so much on the jazz band as a metaphor for organizational or, or team teamwork it, it's helpful for me to have played for decades you know in jazz bands and talk about the fluidity of leadership and stepping into the spotlight and then knowing when to step back and have let somebody else take a turn or not knowing exactly what someone's going to play because it's a largely you know improvisational art form and being okay with the ambiguity of of that process so these are a little bit more sophisticated um but uh it's it's all out there for people to 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 use as they see fit so that those are some of the ways that i think about and utilize music i love what you've shared too because to be honest with you, a lot of times when I've used music or when I've attended trainings that have used music, I felt as though it's been kind of offered more or less to fill silence. And what I'm hearing you talk about is something that's a lot more intentional than that. It's about creating environment, mood, you know, bringing people in, inviting them to be part of a training space. And it kind of gets me thinking about another aspect too. And the reason I think I'm going to be especially curious about the next question I'm going to ask you is because I do a lot of storytelling in my training. That sure. tends to be my background. So I know there are a lot of ways that you can use music when you are, say, giving people work to do, um, you know, or during breaks or as they're entering or leaving a room. Have you sure. or have you seen anyone use music as part of a, a facilitation style, meaning they're telling a story or they're providing information and music as a part of that experience, too? Well, I can offer you an example. I love that. See if this, see if this resonates for you. That. So when we, when I do a unit about active listening yeah. uh, and how listening is not hearing and hearing is not listening, you know, listening is, uh, as it is for me, you know, an intentional act beyond just the, you know, air, uh, you know, airwaves entering the eardrum and being processed by your brain. Yep. I mean, that's hearing, but listening is a more intentional, purposeful behavior. Yeah. And so what I often do is I'll play a piece of music that I would imagine be unfamiliar to people and ask them to come up with a title for it. Ooh. So we will sit in, in, in silence and listen to this piece of music. 
usually without words, for two to three minutes, and then have people sort of lean into that experience and come up with, okay, if you had to title this song or this piece of music, what would it be? And I get some absolutely beautiful titles, you know, A Walk in the Snow at Midnight, Oh, you know, or or um, Loneliness. Or, you know, they're so evocative yeah. and they're, they're, they're so poetic. And then the point of the exercise is, you know, where did you have to go within you to come, to come up with that title? What was the process? You know, you had to shut out all the, this stuff and really lean into the, the music and let it sort of wash over you and, and connect to those feelings that emerged in you. And a lot of times we're in the habit of like suppressing those feelings. But, you know, at work, we're not supposed to have feelings. <laughs> um, so this is an exercise that really encourages and compels you to, to go, get to that place where you can connect an emotional state with, with a piece of music. And then the learning from that is, you know, how often do we get that deep in our listening, presumably with another person? You know, what did that require of us? What did we have to do differently to get to that profoundly deep place of of deep listening that the exercise uh, uh, challenged you to do. And so that starts a conversation about how most of the listening we do is very surface. We're waiting for the other person to stop talking so we can jump in, you know, with our opinion or our or, or our narrative. And so I really lean heavily on the other piece of that, the listening, the being open and receptive to the story, to use your yeah. word the narrative, the story that the other person is sharing. Um, that So that's how I specifically use music for that exercise. And of course, that ties in beautifully to that whole jazz thing, yeah. because being in a jazz band is, not, is about nothing, if not listening deeply to what's going on around you and responding appropriately and thoughtfully. That's right. So it all kinds of, it, it all kind of ties together. Oh, that's a great example. Yeah, it's cool. You should try it sometime, you know, just, um, just, you know, shut down the, the, the jibber jabber in your head and really let, you know, don't be afraid of whatever's pouring over you. Some people, it's funny because some people say like, um, unbridled joy would be one title. And then somebody else would say like, dark depression or, you know, like they're, they're yeah. just like polar opposites, whatever you and, hear, but that's the point. Yeah. Right. And we talk about that, you know, why the difference? And, and, and so we talk about interpretation and, um, you know, miscommunication and how even, even simple messaging can get misinterpreted or, or miscommunicated. There's a lot to unpack there, but it really starts with that foray into that musical space. So to make a long story, a little less long music for me, it's the ultimate gateway to so many things that I want to explore in my training, yeah. you know, because it taps into that piece of us that is, I think, makes us uniquely human, but also a piece of us that rarely gets um, sees the light of day, like in a typical work day, yeah. right? We don't go there that often as a t in the course of a typical day. 
So I want people to explore what that feels like because it's it's kind of a rarity for a lot of people. When you think about the number of yeah. people who listen to music as part of their workday, you know, it's the it's the background to whatever it is they're doing. They have favorite yes. playlists or, you sure. know, I know, for example, my husband has a set work playlist that he listens to. And it is primarily instrumental, a lot of jazz in there that gets him into the mindset he's looking for. So it seems very natural to take what is, you know, I think, as you described, very, uh, very much a natural sort of, um, you know, reaction that people have to music to bring that, you know, over into the training environment. It makes a lot of sense. Exactly. I think many of us are accustomed to playing music like you just mentioned, you know, as part of our work. It is that's that's not something we're unfamiliar with. That's um, right. I listen to music all the time when I'm doing. Work. Absolutely. But but for me as a musician, and whose primary metaphor, if you will, is is a musical one. Yeah. I'm always looking for ways to take that deeper, uh, further, you know, more, uh, more, uh, more purposeful uh, as part of my approach to training. Yeah, and really use music as a tool. Yep for for tapping into the kinds of things that I, as a trainer, feel you know where we need to go. Yeah. Now, speaking yeah. of that, I know there's concerns. Uh, people are worried about like copyright violations or, yes. or all that kind of stuff. So could you speak a little bit to the legal, legal ramifications of using um, music? Yeah, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not an attorney, right. Chris, and but I've, I've obviously done some research about exactly what you're talking about. I mean, between... Between the three of us, the four walls, and everybody else listening, uh, you know, might might there be some kind of issue with using, you know, a copyrighted piece of music? I I, I suppose so, but um, I, I'm not using it in in a way that I, I think anybody would have an issue with. Uh, I, I'm I'm really using it, uh, and sometimes I do use, you know, music that is out there that 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 is free for trainers to use and stuff, right. but. To be honest, I mean, if there's a particular piece of music that I want to use uh, with intention because I want it to take us somewhere specific, I'm going to use that piece of music. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather use something and ask for forgiveness afterwards. Than, <laughs> you know what I mean? Than, than, than not use it and not get the full power yeah. of the exercise or the activity. Yeah. So that's that's where I kind of stand. Um, if any music record label attorneys want to reach out to me uh you know we can have that con we can have that conversation but you know it hasn't happened yet in over 20 years yeah. because um as a musician myself let's let's be serious i i totally get you know people wanting credit uh for the art that that they produce and i in no way want to um, exploit musicians, you know, and, but I don't think I do in my work. Yeah. I, I use it very intentionally and, and, and very specifically. And I, I'm not out there trying to say that a particular piece of music is mine or anything like mm. that. So, nice. yeah. So that's kind of how I think of yeah. that. Yeah. So maybe for those listeners and viewers out there who are concerned, just simply Google copyright laws and using music and training. And I'm sure some recommendations will pop up. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think anything be before a certain time uh, is, is totally allowed. Yeah. Uh, and like again, I, I don't mean to be ca mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. So I, I don't mean to be cavalier about it. It, it is it is something. Um, but 
to, to piggyback on what you said, Chris, if, if anyone has real concern about, you know, how to use music, I would ask, uh, I would um, encourage you to, you know, talk to your, talk to your attorney yes. or do some research. And there, there's a lot out there on it. So if you're somebody that really wants to get it, you know, get it right, you, you, there are resources to yeah. help you. Yeah. yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm also wondering too, I know for, you know, the environments that you're creating in a training space, a lot of times music will be selected very intentionally. Have you, mm -hmm. or would you recommend that in some cases people maybe crowdsource some of those selections, mm -hmm. you know, for example, asking people or pulling people in advance or giving them an opportunity to weigh in? Have you tried that? Or, um, you know, are there, are there ways to, that people can really encourage people to get involved in that perspective? <laughs> That's a fascinating question. I guess I do it the old-fashioned yeah. way by going, what do you all want to hear? <laughs> Which I think I, works. I guess, it works. Right. I, it's like back in the day, that was crowdsourcing. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Uh, don't, any requests? You right. know, that was the, that's, that, that's the old-fashioned. <laughs> exactly. Which I sometimes I do. I've never kind of gone beyond that to explore how the collective – mindset around what I should be, should or should not be playing, um, you know, would, would figure into the equation hmm. that, that is kind of interesting. Um, on the other hand, people seem to be, you know, fairly content with whatever it is that I, that I pick. So just as something for me to consider for the future, that's an interesting point that I've never really considered. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. So it's I'll be honest. As we've been chatting, I've been thinking about a training that I have that's upcoming. We haven't opened our registration yet. And I was thinking in addition to asking people mm. their names and their email addresses, maybe asking them for a favorite song. And there of course, work appropriate songs are very different than yes. other songs. But you know, that's right. Work appropriate song. <laughs> that's right. You know, yes. asking people if there's something they'd like to hear, you wonder if maybe they smile a little bit bigger when they hear it, or maybe those cameras come on, or you get that nice note in chat that says, wow, I, I love this song. I'm so glad you played it. I'm just thinking that could be a very interesting way to bring you know, even a different element of engagement in it, you know, really helps yes. people feel like they're part of something. So, yeah. well, and what you just said reminded me, yeah, it reminded me of something that I do virtually every time I have a, a, a new group in a, in a program is I'll ask them the usual, you know, name, position, number of years in the in position yep. and your first concert. Oh, so that's a good, one. at that point, I, I've already introduced myself as, you know, consultant, facilitator, trainer, coach, right? Uh, and also a professional musician. So I say the reason I'm asking about the last of uh, uh, your most, um, I'm sorry, your, your first concert, you know, to, to extend the musical theme that we've established here today. But beyond just asking the question to, and here to, to piggyback on what you said, um, it's, it, it's a super fun question to ask. Mm. And it also, I don't know what it, it's kind of like asking what would be if we could play any any song you wanted to, you know, in the session, what would it be? Yeah. It, it's kind of like that. It really lets people's guard down. It lets them know that this is going to be kind of a fun session. I've been doing this long enough that I can kind of riff on whatever the person says. You know, if somebody says, um, you know, uh, um Tiffany or Britney Spears or something or, or the Backstreet Boys, you know, I can kind of, you know, I, I can have fun with that answer. Sometimes people say like Frank Sinatra or wow. Elvis or the Beatles. So I'm like, wow, that's super cool. And I have a, a quick exchange with that person. And you can just feel like any tension or anxiety in the room sort of like melting away just by talking about people's 
first concerts. Yeah. And um, so that's something like anybody can do. I mean, if you're, everyone has their own sort of questions that they ask yeah. people, but it yeah. works for me, you know, as a musician, for obvious reasons, it's thematically connected to, to me. Um, but it, it, I've also found over the years that it's just, it's a super fun, anxiety reducing question that everybody laughs. It, Oh, I saw him or I saw them or I saw her. It builds community in the room. Yeah. And again, it's just, it's just a really effective musical type of question. Wow. Oh, I'm thinking we I'm, might need to add an, another question to our, um, Rapid fire. A rapid fire. I was just <laughs> thinking that. Yeah. I was people, just thinking that. Yeah. People love to talk about their first. Yes. I've heard all kinds. Well, of at least stuff. for now, so, today's yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right, I, I, right. I really, I cannot believe how fast time has gone, but we are I actually <laughs> at that time. Oh my I gosh. know. I know. <laughs> so, so how about this? Before we start rapid fire, we'll do a very quick rapid fire with all of us. Oh, on no. first concert. <laughs> so Millie Vanilli and Vogue. Ooh. Oh, and I think wow. Young MC was in there too. Love, love Young MC. There you go. Stephanie, oh, how about you? Right. And then we'll, are we we'll, going- we'll take Mike to, to rapid okay, fire. Are, are we going with first concert or first, first concert? concert? We're proud of first, first <laughs> concert. <laughs> that is an important answers. distinction. All right. Concert. I was very, very little, but my mother took me to see Michael Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. How can we be lovers? <laughs> oh my Thank you. Thank you. For, <laughs> I will say this was even before Celine Dion was speaking English. She was incredibly young. She was not a household name at that point in time. So, okay. Just how about French, the right? absolutely. concert that you paid for yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, that one I'd have to think about for a second. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd be proud of that answer because it might be Nickelback. <laughs> Hey, there you go. Well, um, there you go. Okay. You know what? We it, it, I, I preach openness and receptivity to the story of the other person. And so I, I need to practice that and be okay with Nickelback. There we go. That, in fact. Okay. So Mike, you get. Experience. That's cool. You get a special. Yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to rain all over Nickelback. There you go. Um, I will. <laughs> I think there everybody's listening to Nickelback back then. It and was college. Creed it was and, college. You know, what can I it say? It was college. I wanted to fit right, in. Right. Okay. So, so Mike, I, I totally get you it. You get four rapid fire questions today. So your the first, first one is the, the first concert that fir- you paid for going to yourself. I think the first concert I paid for was the Sammy Hagar version ah, of Van Halen. Okay. When he had just he had just joined the band in 1986, and they were touring on that first there album with Sammy Hagar at the, at the Spectrum. Okay. Uh, love Van Halen. I prefer the David Lee Roth years mm-hmm. over the Sammy Hagar years, mm-hmm. but uh, it was still a it was still a cool concert cool. and to. Uh, to see Eddie Van Halen just doing his thing, you know, live there is really go. exciting. So awesome. there you go. Nice. Okay. What is one book everyone must read and why? So I knew that question was coming <laughs> and I had to really think about <laughs> it. Um, I'll just give you like a really, you know, straightforward answer. Uh, one of the books when I was first getting into this line of work 20 odd years ago that really had an impact on me was called The Fifth Discipline. Mm-hmm. Yes. By Peter Senge, yes. yep. S-E-N-G-E, um, which was my first exposure to what's called systems thinking, which is to start thinking in, in terms of 
uh, 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 the, the, the organization as a whole, as opposed to divisions and departments. And so it's, it's, it's the exploration of holes versus just looking at parts of holes. Um, and, and, and the interconnections and the interrelationships within the organization, um, as opposed to like the siloing that is so much a part of the modern day organization. Nice. And, and there was a chapter in there that really, in fact, it's, it, I printed it out. I won't read it, but it's called uh, the 11 laws of the fifth discipline. And it was like a series of almost mind puzzles. Like one of them is the cure can be worse than the disease. Mm-hmm. Ah. Cause and effect are not closely related in time and space. Behavior grows better before it grows worse. The harder you push, the harder the system pushes back. Yeah. So it really forced me to think about like the organic ever evolving fluid nature of organizations and how sometimes our expectations about what or what we anticipate is supposed to happen, you know, is, is not the case yeah. and to be okay with that ambiguity. Yeah. So that was a long answer to your question, but I, I recommend that anybody check that book out. It'll, it'll blow your mind. Awesome. Second. Okay. What <laughs> is one tool you can't live without? I don't know if it's a tool, but like my, my saxophone for sure. Of course. You know, I, Right. My saxophone has been my companion since I was in seventh grade and has seen a lot of some good stuff, some not not so good nights, you know, and the ugly and 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 the the ugly. But uh, yeah, man, totally. It's it's, that's 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 the tool that I okay that I uh, that I need in my life. I love it. Now, final rapid fire question. What is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? I've gotten a lot of great advice, like the gentleman who told me I should marry the organizational change work with the music, mm-hmm. right? He was the one that sort of brought that vision, uh, clarify that vision for me. Yeah. Uh, but in expectation of this question, I actually printed out something that I try to live by. Oh. It's a quote from Wynton Marsalis, mm-hmm. the famous jazz trumpeter. In fact, uh, I have a book of his nice. right, right here in my desk. <laughs> and what he, and what he said, it's a very brief quote. He said, the soulful thing about playing is you offer something to somebody. Mm. You don't know if they'll like it, but you offer it anyway. Mm. And I think that's such a nice metaphor for life. Like there's no script. Uh, we're just all, do- all doing the best we can. And we're putting something out there. And you know what? Not everybody's going to connect to it. Yeah. Not everybody's going to necessarily like it. And that's okay because we had the courage to, to, to put it out there anyway. Mm. And it's true in a, when you play and it's, and it's true at work and it's true in life. So I try to put things out there. I don't know how they'll do, but, um, you got to lean into that space. Otherwise the years go by and you go, I should have, I wish I had, I could have, I don't want to live like yeah. that. So. I think that's some of my favorite advice that's been shared on this podcast. Oh, that's wow. fantastic. <laughs> really, it, that's awesome. it is. It's a, it's a wonderful way to wrap us up for today. I got to say, Mike, this has been an incredibly fun 30 minutes that we got to spend with you. You have given us a wealth of ideas and information, a lot of ways that we can get excited about bringing music into the experiences that we're creating. And I got to say, you also inspired me to go pick up one of the two instruments I have in my house. So <laughs> you've given me something to do. Wonderful. 
wonderful. this weekend. So thank you. Thank you so much. And you, you never, you never get too old to you don't. go back to your, to you your, don't, yeah. you never, you never do it all. Thank you so much never for did. joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks to both of you so much. This was a delight, a pleasure, uh, a treat. I could keep naming synonyms for, <laughs> for I, for, for I had a great time. I hope that came through. Uh, this was wonderful. It was great to make your acquaintance and I can't wait to see the finished product. We were excited too. And of course, a huge thank you to everyone in our community for listening or for viewing with us today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Our chapter has so much to offer. Go to dcatd.org and choose our community to learn more about our communities of practice, the CPTD study groups, and peer coaching opportunities. Want to network with other chapter members? Join the Metro DC chapter of ATD members on LinkedIn today. 